Paul writes to Timothy in this particular book. He says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Father, thank you for your gift of grace that has been communicated to us and the various gifts that you've imparted into our lives to be used to serve others. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have chosen to do in our lives for purposes of your own. And yet we learn, we grow, we experience a little bit more about what that unique calling upon our lives entails. We thank you for your leading, your direction, your blessings, your promises. And we trust, Lord, that as we consider a new year and just ponder for a few brief moments, or maybe we leave today and think about it more, we pray that whatever you choose to accomplish in us in the next year, that we would be aware of that and become more sensitive to that and begin to grasp how we can begin looking more in that direction. We thank you, God. We know that you, the purpose in which you have called us and the work you've begun, it's going to grow, it's going to keep moving, it's going to keep leading. We trust we keep in step with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Allow me to read verse 5 once again. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and is now in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that now lives in you also. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, as we read, we realize that um, some of us have been blessed with a rich spiritual heritage. When we think of Timothy's life, we realize that he had this influence that has begun to set in motion a faith that was handed down from one generation to the next. Our parents and possibly our grandparents may have truly loved the Lord, and we were aware of that. Faithfully served God, we witnessed that. They diligently followed His ways, and it became evident as they had lived their life, and that life became almost a natural pattern to follow. The blessing of God and His cherished favor was indeed the typical ongoing experience of this young man, Timothy. Much of Timothy's growing years were kind of uh, experienced through the lens of someone who has been enriched with a faith that is real, and it comes with great rewards. Timothy was a young man who was given a huge advantage, as some would say, in the things pertaining to understanding and experiencing the blessing of God. Timothy's mother and grandmother were not only key factors in Timothy's vibrant faith, but from these scriptures we can see that Timothy's mother and grandmother also had quite a reputation and influence upon many others. Their faith was said to be sincere. Their faith was implied to be extremely genuine. Their faith, as some scripture translations say, was unfeigned. 
that is without any inconsistencies, without any holes in it. It was a faith that indeed was pure and solid. Some of us, in all honesty, have grown up with such credible examples like this that our faith in essence would be said to be given to us on a silver platter. God has often blessed many of us with a rich heritage of experiences and examples that really set the tone for the next generation and the generations to follow. On the other hand, some of us may have had such a blessing not so much directly through our parents or our grandparents, but some of us, by God's grace, have been brought up experiencing a sincere and real faith through many others that God has brought into our path. Some of us had neighbors that were always looking out for us. They were the ones that were knocking on the door on a Sunday morning to make sure you had a full opportunity to get in their car and to ride to church. Some of us, we had friends that really cared about us. Maybe as we were growing and and moving up in years, we had friends who were going to church and they invited us to go. Others had uh, maybe a Sunday school teacher that was very diligent in seeing that when you came, they wanted to know where you were when you forgot to come. They're always following up on us, checking on us. Some of us were brought to faith or introduced to faith through backyard evangelism. That's kind of the good news club that many of us are familiar with, or these these Bible club meetings that were gathered together. Either way, there were people that God used to let you and I get the experience of sincere, real faith. Some of us, maybe we didn't experience that until later on in life. We had uh, people that we worked with that had a faith that was real and and obvious. Uh, Some of us may have had... uh, in school, we had teachers there who really cared, and they shared some of the things with us about our faiths. And um, others, it may have been many other forms, but either way, God has chosen to bless us with examples and patterns that can set the tone in our hearts. Sometimes, some of us have had not those experiences. We know what it's like to have gone through life kind of scratching and probing because we simply that some people have about our faith and we think about how that faith develops and we try to understand how the pieces fit together. Some of us know so well, others we're still searching and seeking. The point is that God has caused people, whether it's in a certain place or a certain setting, to make impressions upon our hearts. And if we could take time to ponder, we could not only think about these people, but we would realize that regardless of how strong our faith was or how it was given to us in its full bloom or in partial form, every one of us knows the importance of what uh, Paul is talking about to Timothy in verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Regardless of how great that influence was, or regardless of how much we have experienced the blessings of God, we all know what it's like that after we've experienced the reality of our faith and the richness of faith, every one of us needs a faith that needs to be rekindled once again. When I think of that, obviously, as as, uh, someone who burns a lot of firewood, I'm well aware 
of that regardless of how cozy it might be to have a wood burn in your house, it's not always so cozy early in the morning. Every time that uh, we go to bed and, and you begin to damp the fire down, you begin to count on the fact that you hope it's still kindling in the morning, and regardless of how much wood you put in it, inevitably in the morning, it's always a lot colder than when we started. My wife would be the first one to tell you that sometimes our house is rather cold. She says that often if you put a glass of water on our bedroom windsill, it will be froze. And I've wanted to challenge her several times on that, but I'm afraid she might be right sometimes. The important thing is that as you and I journey in our faith and we keep growing in our relationship with God, the importance that there needs to be a rekindling, there needs to be a fanning of the flame. Whether you're a Timothy that grew up in a home in which your faith was simply laid out, it was lived out, it was so clear and so obvious, or whether or not you've been touched here and there a few times by other people that God has graciously dropped into your life, regardless of how well, it still needs those times of rekindling, a time to reinforce our devotion and commitment to God. When we think in terms of the new year, we think in terms of the idea of starting over again, certainly is almost natural. It's so common that New Year's resolutions, whether people are in the system of faith or totally without faith, know there's something about this time of the year that kind of gives you an opportunity to look back and to look ahead and say, Lord, here I am. A time to rekindle. How do we do that? That's the question we want to consider. And how we can begin to formulate some kind of a devotion or commitment to God. I know when we think in terms of the rekindling, I knew that when I was in Boy Scouts, you always had to watch out because there are certain Boy Scouts that their idea of rekindling a fire is they have a stash of charcoal lighter fluid. And you had to watch it because if you're standing too close and you're trying to carefully get it re-going again, they have no problem squirting that thing and watching that thing fly. There's something appealing in the spiritual journey to try to find a secret that gets our heart off instantly and vibrantly. We might think about, maybe I'm going to go to several seminars on how to get the fire to fall on me and once again be reignited in my faith almost instantly. Or possibly we might find creative ways that tell ourselves that this year I'm going to commit myself to 10 hours a day reading the Bible and 6 hours a day in prayer. And pretty soon when you do the math, you're going to figure out you have out chewed your desires. Often when we think of New Year's resolutions, or especially when it comes to commitment to God, we want to go big. We want to get the gasoline out, or we want to get the charcoal on it. We want somehow to find ourselves so re-energized and so revitalized that somehow we need to realize that Paul seems to allude that the secret is a simple stirring a rekindling, a carefully laying the little pieces of wood so they begin to flicker and the flame continues to burn the way it is. I wish I could tell you three quick shortcuts. I did that for 20 years in preaching. Now I guess I realize that somehow it's the little things in life that really change 
the real heartbeat of life. There's no quick glow. There's no quick fix. It might work for a season, but sooner or later, you're going to need more gasoline or charcoal fluid. And it's really not very safe. I don't highly recommend it. I've noticed on the, they have some kids' channels. I get to watch them now, now that I have a granddaughter I'm watching. And it says that these things are not real. Do not try them without talking to your parents. I thought that's kind of humorous because I want to make sure you know that that gasoline on the fire thing is not really recommended. How do we begin to grow? How do we begin to stir? How do we begin to rekindle? The first thing I believe that is alluded to as the Apostle Paul is communicating to Timothy is what seems to be mentioned in verse 13, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. What you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. I'm simply touching upon that concept that you and I, whether we were brought up in a, in a perfect world, where our parents, our grandparents, and everybody we've ever known has a faith that is solid and it's, it, it's growing and it's deep. Or whether or not we have uh, bumped into people who have been a good influence or positive influence in life, that you and I need to realize that a lot of what you and I inherit or develop is often imitated by looking at other people. One of the secrets that Paul is attempting to communicate is to know who you're watching, to understand what a, a healthy, vibrant life looks like. And it's not really within the time of this morning to try to describe what this looks like, but I think it's, it's very beneficial that you and I learn to discern that what is a, a true, vibrant person for Christ and begin to identify the patterns or the habits or the, or the ways that they present themselves in living uh, in, in our faith. I think back in the journey of my own life, I clearly remember one of the, the first key significant role models was a Sunday school teacher who was extremely faithful in just loving, supporting, and encouraging. Now, I have to admit, in high school, I don't recall anything he taught because I wasn't always listening. But I always had in my mind, he is a stable, consistent factor, so that when I started thinking about the reality of life, he comes to mind, right there on the forefront. He's a kind of example, and, and just simply what I found out later on was that real influence, or what drew me as, as a magnet to him, is he was truly a man of prayer. He told me, after a few years, several years, I'm in Bible college, I'm still praying for you. I mean, think of the influence. When I think of that influence, I realize that there's a pattern, there's an example to follow, there's a, a principle of imitation that's extremely important. I have to admit, and no doubt, you and I have all been tempted at some form to kind of get fascinated with somebody who seems to have a faith on fire, and then a couple years later, you find out they were more about gasoline than charcoal. And they, came, they came quick, they came bright, they came flashy, but did not have that enduring value. And as you and I learn to mature in a walk with God, is sooner or later we, discern, we, we begin to discern between the kind of quality in people that simply gives a quick blast 
versus those that have an enduring value in their lives. Imitation is extremely a powerful concept. We can look at a couple other verses. How about 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10? You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, patience, love, endurance. It's important to understand that Apostle Paul is not simply patting himself on the back, but he's trying to communicate to his son of Timothy, you know all about it in ways that nobody else knows. You know the outward evidences of my commitment to God, but you know my daily nitty-gritty me. And the more that you and I begin to understand that the way we mature is in our eyes upon that quality of maturity. And I'm convinced you don't have to look too far to right in our very own church to identify people that their commitment to God, their faith is sincere. It's rock solid. Their devotion to the Lord is consistent. It's genuine. And that's one of the secret keys to building a life that has a, a lasting, rekindling, and a constant growing versus that which you just pour gasoline on it. There's many people in our church, they're not looking for shortcuts, they're not looking for ways to create this great fire, but they have a steady inner burning that comes from God. And to identify that value, and to rub up next to those kind of people, to learn as if that's what our model is. We want to follow that. Now, we, in our more spiritual moments, know that eh, you're only supposed to follow Jesus. Yet the Scriptures indicate, even the Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so it's important to know that there are people that are, are truly the kind of ones that you and I ought to imitate. And I think in terms of the various people, I just mentioned one of those this morning, of, of Mr. Reed and his influence, of that steadiness and commitment. But there's many more that were, have become those kind of examples or those models that I could see that is a life that has stability and a continual burning. They have a relationship with God that isn't going to disappear simply because the wind blows tomorrow. It's a kind of quality. And the more that you and I realize that that quality was developed in the long haul, and the commitment to God has, has grown through good times and tough times, that you and I might have hope there too is a unique way of living. So we watch the example. I mean, you can blow a little harder and you'll get it in your face. You can try a lot of different things to try to get the flame to flicker and, and begin to grow once again. The important thing is that God has gifted us with examples and patterns that are set all around our lives, and we can learn and grow by doing that. If we're ever going to make a New Year's resolution, maybe it ought to begin by beginning to say, who is it that I recognize that I want to learn as much as I can about their life their commitment to God, their devotion. We have numerous examples in scriptures, and we have numerous examples within the church. And when we merge the two together, we see that there are people that line right up with this kind of commitment. And that's important that we establish a clear visual 
concept of what that kind of consistent lifestyle looks like. The second thing is, as much as imitation is important, and the patterning of our lives after others who have gone before us, who have lived their lives consistent to God, is, secondly, we we realize that there's also a secret life that most of us don't know about each other. Our very personal, private commitment to God is not always public information. But one thing we do have is a couple glimpses into this Jesus guy. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Jesus alluded to this in the teaching, particularly in reference what we're going to look at is, is prayer. And I want to kind of begin uh, talking about a few things pertaining to prayer, but particularly the challenge is, is that you and I consider our prayer lives. Because if we do not understand the importance of a personal prayer life, then it doesn't do a whole lot of lasting good to just admire others who probably have a very good prayer life. Because their prayer life might be private, it might be extremely personal, we may not fully know, but it's probably very safe to understand that people who have an influence that's healthy and positive, they have a private life that's extremely real to them. Look in Matthew chapter 6. It's interesting that Jesus contrasts the need to see the appearance versus the private. Matthew 6, 5, and 6. And when you pray, it's assumed, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, Close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, He will reward you. It's important to know that when you and I desire a a new year of any type, if we need strengths for the new year, we need some kind of focus for the new year, and it was brought up in many suggestions in our worship time and the scripture reading time and the prayer time, that we ought to, in some sense, learn to be sensitive. We're going into a new year. God wants to do new things in your life and mine, and we need to learn to say, Lord, show us, lead us, guide us. That I believe it's a common understanding that prayer is a huge factor in that. So when we think about our lives being shaped, we realize that as much as we learn to imitate healthy examples we need to realize that those healthy examples, as much as is seen, the real secret to the life that Jesus has for us is in that unseen. It's in the prayer closet. And so if we think about certain uh, strategies to experience in a change this year, it needs to begin very early with our prayer lives. For without that, It's going to show up in many different areas. The important thing isn't so much whether it shows up, it's whether or not we move in the direction God wants us to do. So that prayer time is extremely important. Now turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, because here we find insight into Jesus, okay? He too was a man of example. He was one that we ought to follow. We realize over and over again that the whole concept of imitation is really to 
be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the pattern. That's the ultimate example. And I simply wanted to use the Apostle Paul because I realized that though Jesus is the ultimate example, it's really Christ in us that we become an example to others. And so we learn to be encouraged that there is a way that God has prepared for us. There's a plan that he has set in motion. His intent and desire is indeed that we would grow and mature together and be conformed into that likeness. But notice in Luke chapter 5, we see in verse 15 and 16 that there's some insight given into the private world of Jesus. Now in verse 15 it says, Yet the news about him they spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Now, whether that seems to be amazing to you or I, or whether it seems to be a clear understanding that, well, we thought he was, I don't know about you, but when I think about his identity and who he truly was, that if this is important and he chooses to take time to pray, then there's a chance that you and I, as good as we are, we need some prayer time. The important thing is it simply reveals that Jesus had not only this outward appearance life, he was always teaching, he was always healing people, ministering to people. He was always out there seen, and yet the scriptures help us know that he had a private life. He had a personal time alone with God. The secret to Jesus Uh, following Jesus obviously has something to do with that private quality time of our own lives. And so as we think about the new year, we could try to pour gasoline on our spiritual growth, and we could try to create some great big commitment or resolve to experience all of this change in our life. Or we could humbly say, Lord, teach me to pray. His disciples asked that on one occasion. Trust that that what might be something we'd humbly consider. How to rekindle the condition of the heart and our relationship with God. It always has to at least begin and, and be built upon this private life of prayer. Some of us have the luxury of being uh, uh, shown examples of people who prayed in our family over the years. I know Connie's family certainly has uh, many prayer warriors. And I was exposed to many prayer warriors over my years. And when we think about that influence or that ingredient in their life, it's without any doubt there's a connection between people of prayer and the quality of their life. And no doubt we all have seen that. And we've seen that not only in examples that influence us, but people in the church. What's important is that you and I begin to choose to say, Lord, I want to learn how to pray. I want to learn how to spend time alone with us. Some of us, we may have more time than others. Some of us have more opportunities to get alone. Some of us have more of this or more of that. The important thing is, God knows your needs. He knows where you're at spiritually. He knows what you and I can do. It's His grace in that moment of of stillness 
that really is the issue. Some of us need more time in prayer because it's simply the makeup of who we are. What's important is that we choose to say, Lord, I want some time with you. That can begin a new year. That can begin to transform in ways that we can never quite fully grasp or be able to describe. We know one thing, prayer makes a difference. And without that prayer, we probably are going to be more tempted to get our fires going a quicker, easier way. Don't throw the gasoline on. Let's take some time and pray and ask God to rekindle that life all over again. Lord, we are humbled by the fact that we have known people who made prayer such an influence in their life that it became rather obvious that they had a connection that we truly desired. We pray, God, that we would realize that probably the best of people we've ever met didn't start out that way. They learned how to find time to get the fire stirred. We pray that by your grace you would rekindle, you would restore, you would quicken us in such a way. We pray that these seasons in which we choose to establish time with you, that that would create an ability to experience a real change in our lives. Thank you for those that have taught us well. They've set the example of prayer. We pray that we might find that as well. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and have a great day. And I'll see you next year. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.